choosing joy. We're in our message series, new message, message series. We got an action-packed message series because uh, I, I'd really think this is this is a time where we just we got to really learn how to choose joy. Uh, we're going into the holidays, and not the holidays aren't great for everybody. You know, there's a lot of fam- familiar experiences and pains and wounds and thoughts going in. Not only that, you've got You've got these uh, demonic spiritualists celebrating Halloween and acts around Halloween. And what's interesting is most people don't know, actually, the birth of Jesus is, is supposed to be around late September, early October, the real birth of Jesus. Now, Constantine moved it around with, into, into uh, Christmas, what we call Christmas. We celebrate it there, but in reality, the birth of Jesus was late September, early October, believed to be. And so there's a very spiritual, very, very spiritual time on earth in general. So you have this huge clashing. And so, uh, I, listen, the Halloween, it's fun and it's cute. And I used to love running through the neighborhoods, jumping over ditches, elbowing people to get candy and running up. I love that. Like, we could do that in my little town. There was 1,100 people in, in our town. We knew everybody. But it's still the occult. It's still, I'm telling you, if you're worshiping and you're praising death, and all the morbid things that are going on, it is still in the occult. It's an act of the occult. And we're opening ourselves, we're conditioning ourselves to be a part of something that is not of Jesus. It's not, unless you're going walking around with a cross on your back and you got Jesus and you're smiling and sharing the love of Jesus everywhere you go. That, you might have an argument with me on that one right there. So, but other than that, listen, it, it's, it, don't encourage that. Don't encourage that. Uh, there are healthy alternatives, and, and there are other churches that are doing great things, and there's no need to compete. Let's join the church and do some other things with other churches. So uh, we're going to get in our message series because we've got to choose joy. Now, joy should be our first choice in everything that we do. That's why it's kingdom thinking. That's why it's faith, because it's usually not the first choice that we make. Usually it's the stress, anxiety, worry, fear, doubt, all these things that hit us like a pile of bricks, a brick wall, boom, something's happening happening. I don't have full control over it, so boom, here's the wall. What am I going to do? Panic. Well, I've got to learn to choose my, turn my thoughts into kingdom thoughts and learn how to choose joy. But let's pray before we do. Father, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for worship. That Lord, thank you that we get to worship you. Thank, thank you that you just come in on the praises of your people. Thank you that our prayers are, are in a golden bowl of incense that are brought before you. Thank you so much, Lord. Lord we know you're going to move on our behalf with Encore. And I thank you in advance. We're, we, just, we just submit it to you and we present those problems to you. Everything that we came in with, Lord, and we, you, you made the chains and the burdens fall off as we just put our mind on you and worshiped you. And boy, thank you for showing us how life should be. And so, Father, I pray that you be with us and let this word, these message series, just get rooted and grounded into the depths of who we are because it's all about you and it wasn't about us anyway. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, so we have a verse, of, uh, uh, really, it's a, it's a passage a theme passage for this series, and it's out of Isaiah, and it was prophesied hundreds of years ago, five, six hundred years ago, before rather, before Jesus came on the scene. And it was a prophecy, what is called a biblical prophecy about Jesus. And we know it was because when Jesus entered his ministry scene, he walks into the temple, there would be a desk or a table just like this with the Bible opened, and he, he picks it up and he reads it, and he re- he, then he sits down and he says, this just took place in your presence. Here's what took place in your presence. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. 
Now, that's the good news. Now, my brother-in-law, my stepbrother, actually, when I was living in Austin, I kept trying to get him to come to church, trying to get him to come to church, trying to get him to come to church. Never would. He picked me up from church one time to take me to lunch. And the church name was Assemblies of God Church. It was a church. It was called Glad Tidings. We call it GT Austin. He pulls it up and he goes, uh-huh, see, that's why I don't go. All they want is my, my tidings. I said, that's tithings that you're thinking of. <laughs> you're thinking of tithings, and that's tidings. That's called good news. <laughs> good news. And, and it showed his heart because guess what? The tithe is a test of the heart. And everybody, every one of us is under a test this, right this week because it's the beginning of the month, and God wants our first and our best. So it's a tithe. It's a test. So he says to preach good news, good news, good tidings to the poor. That's, look at our, I told you last week, you're going to you're see our vision statement all throughout Scripture over and over again. That's introducing Jesus. When I want to bring the good news, when Jesus wants me to bring the good news, when he comes to bring the good news, he wants to introduce you to him. And that's what we want to do. And this, by the way, this is the fall season and there's something that's spiritual, because it's so, such a spiritual season, you're going to start having a lot of spiritual conversations. And I want to, I'm saying this to bring it to your awareness. You're going to have a lot of spiritual conversations in this season because it's harvest season, and the natural always reflects the spiritual. I want you to get this. So there's a harvest season, and there's something about the fall where people really start making a decision towards Christ. And a decision... It's several things that happen leading up to their commitment towards Christ. So I want you to be aware of the things that are going on around you because you will start having some spiritual decisions prompted by others or the Holy Spirit inside of you because it's harvest season. It is harvest season. Now he says this, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives, finding freedom. And the opening of the prisons to those who are bound. Some of you have been bound to habits, bound to addictions, bound to your emotions. And emotions have been leading you all astray and all over the place. And you haven't been steadfast on, on the word. He's to proclaim liberty to the captives. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. To, and the day of vengeance of our God. By the way, vengeance is not towards his people. Vengeance is towards Satan through his people. If you ever wondered about that, it's not about he's going to bring vengeance upon you. He's trying to bring vengeance upon Satan, and he wants to use us to do it, but we've got to find some freedom. We've got to get out of this bondage. We've got to get some liberty because we've been held captive. You'll catch up with me. Three, two, it says to console, to, or sorry, to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion. And once he heals you all up, once he, you start to find some freedom, you got some liberty, all of a sudden I'm not in bondage to my habits, addictions, and emotions anymore. All of a sudden now he starts to give you beauty for ashes. And all we got is ashes until then. And we start bringing that to him. He goes, boom, let me just pour out some be booty. Booty. Beauty. <laughs> Booty is also treasure, okay? <laughs> Pirate booty, let me say it that way. Let <laughs> me have a drink of water. That was a good hey, thank you. Pirate booty, that's a good, that, those are snacks, kids' snacks, by the way. <laughs> it gives you beauty for ashes and the oil of joy. See, isn't it good to laugh in church? He gives you the oil of joy in the morning. This is is M-O-R-N-I-N-G, but he also gives it to you M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. And so we come in mourning. Many of us come in carrying a heavy weight. But now after worship, our way maker came through and he made a way where we didn't see a way. And we brought mourning and he's giving us beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise 
for a spirit of heaviness. Now, this is redemption right here. This is when we start to really connect to purpose. And believe it or not, misery is not his desire for you. I feel like the old church says, well, you just suffer for Jesus, and everybody was walking around mourning and in misery, and, you know, it's, it's... a gift of poverty. You just got a gift of poverty. No, that is not a gift of poverty. And, that, and, and there was bondage. I was in that church, and I, we were left in bondage. It, it's just a blessing to be able to live in poverty. No, no, that, that, there's nowhere in Scripture that actually backs that up. There's not. And we'll, we'll actually talk about that all throughout, the, throughout this. That wasn't my main point, but somebody, I think, needed to hear that in this place today because it just popped up, and it's all throughout this chapter that we're going to review today that they may be called trees of righteousness. When you start connecting to purpose, one version says that you'll become an oak. And whenever it's thundering and it's storming, it doesn't matter what's going on, I'm immovable. That's what God has called us to be. That's what he's created and purposed to be, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And it may be that we're kind of shaking around because we're trying to get some glorification, but he's trying to be glorified. Once he gets in our heart, we're going to break this down. Once he gets in our heart and it's all about him, well, boy, he can make you strong as an oak and you will not be movable. Verse 4, and they shall rebuild. I'm sorry, I should say it. And you will rebuild the old ruins and you will raise up the former desolations and you will share, you, will, you shall repair the, the ruined cities. That's when you start making a difference. The desolations of many generations. You will do these. You will repair. You will raise up. You will rebuild. You will. It'll be in your heart because now you're set free to do those things and he's got your whole heart and it's all about him anyway. But there's a key phrase in this that I really want to bring back around to the forefront and that's Isaiah 61.3. It says, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. And guys, we've got to Quit settling for less. And I feel like the body of Christ has really done a hard work to settle for less. And I mean a hard work because it is hard to settle for less than what God has given you. It's the easy, seemingly easy path, but it's so uncomfortable. There's so much discomfort wrapped around. There's so much, there's so much depression wrapped around it. There's so much anxiety and stress. And you know you're built for more, but it's somewhere inside you you believe this lie that I'm just going to settle in right here because it's safe. And it's never the safe place when you're dealing with God because <laughs> he's going to move you. He's on the move, and he wants to build you up. He wants you to be all these things that we just read in, it, in Isaiah 61. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And that's what I will be to take away from this whole series right here because I believe 19 into 2020 is really a year of garment, having that garment of praise and that joy, that oil of joy and really living this thing out in fullness of what God has created us for. But there's a spirit of heaviness that we've got to get rid of. And there's a spirit of heaviness you'll recognize because it's just a weight that's upon you in the morning or in the evening or when you start to ponder the issues of life. And unfortunately... We've seen, we've seen ignorance disguised as hate too much in our society. And that's I'm just going to call it what it is because it really is a bunch of ignorance. And people who embrace unforgiveness, they're just hostile right now. And the, re, the issue is it's, it points back to the unforgiveness that's actually in their hearts. I cried all week this week whenever over this Amber Geiger and this, this, uh, this uh, sorry, John, Balton John uh, issue, Botham John issue, uh, well, when, when the brother 
Brant John, Brant John of the victim, Botham John, when he, when he got on the, on the platform and he just forgave and he told, him how, he told Amber how I don't even want you to go to jail, but I, I really want you to get to know Christ. Man, I couldn't. That was love, yet justice and forgiveness. Do you, know, do you know what that family did? You know what the John family did in that moment? They released themselves from a life, a life term of prison and bondage to unforgiveness. And until Amber finds forgiveness in her own heart over herself and forgives herself, it doesn't matter about a 10-year term. She's got life without parole already. And that is something that all of us carry. And, and, and we, we struggle forgiving for much less than what this family has endured. But it's hate and ignorance and unforgiveness and it's, it's disgust that wants to keep this fired up and raised and turn it into an issue. And I love when the judge just comes down and she takes her Bible and she hands it over to Amber and she says, I just wish you would read John 3.16. Man, if that wasn't a perfect, yes, give Jesus the glory because that's what that courtroom did. They gave Jesus praise. They gave Jesus praise and, and some, some dispute, but this was a multicultural jury. They did fight for a white jury, but they said, no, you're going to, the judge said, no, you're going to keep it right here. And so that was the beauty in all this, that God has designed to bring us together finally, and we've got to be the body of Christ to start tearing down that drama, those lies, the hatred, the ignorance, and we've got to come alongside people and get a little uncomfortable. I'm just, I'm tired of it, but it's a perfect picture of justice with forgiveness. And yes, there's violence, there's hatred, there's racism, there's ignorance in our land, but it's not only circumstantial, it's spiritual too. Yeah. It, it is absolutely spiritual as well. And what, what we want is we will cry out and like, God, if you just change it, I'm just with you, just change. And this is our prayers, and I know it. If you just change my situation, just change everything, God, you can do it, you can do it in your power. And the reality is, He's, he's not going to. But what he wants to do is give you the tools so that you can be full of joy in that situation. And in that circumstance, you can bring difference to this world. The kingdom then flows here on earth when we will accept that, not accept the circumstance, but submit to what God wants to do, find the joy in the situation, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then we go and be the very thing that we want God to change. He's trying to do with us. He, he's a, he's a co-laborer, but you have to choose it. You won't feel it at first, and that's why you got to choose joy. When you choose, choices lead, feelings follow. I'm going to choose when I don't feel like it, but then the feelings follow because they get in line with my actions. i got to decide who's leading this thing. you got to choose joy. And I've got some, a little bit of moral authority in this area because I know what it means. I know what it feels like to have those ups and downs, those high seasons, those very, very, very low seasons. I know what the depths of depression looks like and feels like. I know all the thoughts that ruminate through your heart and your mind and, and what Satan wants to tell you about yourself and your future and your life to try to keep you from. I know what that feels like. So I've got a little bit of, of moral authority to speak with passion and authority on why it is so important for us to choose joy when I don't feel joyful. I don't, I don't feel like doing it. I decided not to let my fears and my feelings just lead my life, which is so easy for us to do. I see the ignorance somewhere else, and I let the, that ignorance make my decision right here. What kind of sense does that make whenever I'm letting, letting all those feelings and emotions of other people and their stuff 
because of what they believe begin to make my decisions. How, can, how does culture then decide what I do? And that's why my, my life verse, the very first verse, passage that, that the Lord spoke to me when I was moving, I was getting, getting close to him, moved to Austin, had to get away from my stuff. I was, I was without driver's license, gone through a DWI. I think it was, my, it was my second one. I had no ability to drive. I needed public transfer, transportation. You can't drive around in the country <laughs> without a license. It just doesn't work. So thank you, thankfully, God set these things up so that I could be there for that. And it was in this time when I was spending time with the Lord and Romans 5, 3 through 5, he just lit it up. And he told me to rejoice in my trials. It says rejoice in your trials, for they bring per- perseverance. Well, I needed some perseverance because I was an emotional roller coaster. And perseverance, proven character. Boy, my character needed to be proven because I was messed up. I had believed some wrong things. I had been raised in some wrong things. I had mentors of the wrong things. I had it sewn into me. That's that's all I knew was wrong things. And boy, with proven character begin to give me hope. All of a sudden, I had hope again. Hope for something that could actually be in my life. And the Scripture says, hope does not disappoint because of the love of God that is poured out in our hearts and has given us, He has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Boy, when that passage gets wrapped up in your heart, you, you come alive all of a sudden. And when you start to see trials, because I started to think about the old things and the things I did and the things I went through. And, he, and I realized, well, if he can bring me through that, he can bring me through my current situation. And then what else can he bring me through? But I got to rejoice first because my responsibility is not to try to get some proven character or perseverance. My responsibility is to get some joy that will bring in the perseverance of proven character. And then I get the hope. You Are you hoping? hopeless today will go rejoice about something that you're hopeless over. It makes sense. It's a mathematical calculation to me, and it's all in his word. I hated math word, prod, word, word, word uh, uh, problems, thank you, and, and I couldn't do them. I couldn't figure them out, but now scripture is nothing but a big word problem to me, and I, it makes so much sense now that I get it. Yes, thank you. But studying the life of Paul, I realized God began to wake something up in my heart, and he's one of my, my favorite Bible characters. The things that, that he did, the missionary, the church planter, it just, it just woke me up. But then there was also this side where he had been shipwrecked. He'd been shipwrecked three times and bobbed around like a cork for a day and a half. He'd been, bit, he'd been beaten five times with 39 lashes. He got the beating of Jesus, but without the cat of nine tails been whipped three times with a little whooping stick. He'd been run out by, by vandals, by bandits, by peers, out of town by his peers, the Jews, by Gentiles, and he got stoned. And somebody said, well, well, at least he got a little bit of relief. The wrong kind of stoned. He got stoned with actual stones, not that kind of stoned. It was, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> but everywhere, everywhere I read him, he's like, yeah, I was down and beaten up, but yay, I got the victory. Yes, all these things happened, but yay, I got the victory. 2 Corinthians 6.10 says, yeah, I was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. I didn't have any money, and I was making everybody else rich, yet I was making everybody, I was making many rich. He says, having nothing, yet possessing everything. This, this, this right here, this is not this stuff like, Wow stuff. I'm telling you, this message is not one of those where, wow, you just took me on a deep, deep river, river tour. This is, this is stuff you already know, but the reason I'm preaching it is because you're not doing it. 
And so I'm trying to drive home some things that are in your heart that are already there. I'm trying to put some water on it. Can I put a little water on you? Because we got to get some joy. I've been watching people walk around like they, the face of who they think Jesus is, and it's morbid, and the church is looking like this. But we got to choose joy. Choices lead. Feelings follow. Let's go. Let's wake up. So that's why we got this series going, because this, we got to start everything with prayer. Prayer should be our first response and not a last resort. Too many of us got fire alarm prayer lives. You know what? I remember this in my, when my mom first got diagnosed with cancer, and she looked like near death, and I'm, man, this, this might be the last days. And I kept hearing people say, well, all we can do now is pray. That's the first thing I did. <laughs> Situations are going wrong. Well, all we can do now is pray, brother. Why is it a last resort instead of seeing an issue? It's a first resort we go to trusting that God's going to work things out. Fire alarm prayer service. I'm at, so how I'm doing is outlining, this is actually the, the, first, the first chapter we outlined when I was in Bible college, and, and I thought, well, this is the main point. No, this is the main point. This is the main point. I'm, I'm just going to do it line by line, and we're going to get to the main point, but there's two themes in this chapter of Philippians 4. One is, is prayer. The other one's giving, but we're going to focus on prayer today. We're going to focus on prayer, and Philippians is a prison epistle or a letter, meaning Paul wrote this from prison. In fact, Paul wrote 27 times rejoice or joy in a place of imprisonment. So if anybody's got some moral authority on joy and rejoicing, it's Paul himself, all right? So track with me. Philippians 4.4 says this, says, uh, once you found some joy, now rejoice. He, you know, rejoice, and then and rejoice means to find joy, and then find joy again, and then find joy again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he knew you wouldn't do it, so he said, I say again, rejoice. Somebody, I, I had some joy, and now i got to go re-up. Some will catch that. i got to rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. How? Because the Lord is near, he says. Then he starts talking about, about prayer, and prayer has has five key elements to it, and you can remember this as the five R's, but we're going to talk about the words that follow the R's. And number one is prayer replaces worry. Worry in this context means literally strangling. It's like as if something is just strangling you or choking you out. Several, several testimonies I've heard of people wake up and they've got something just choking them out and Satan has just got a grip on them or a demon has got a grip on them and all they can say is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus and released. I've heard that time and time again, my own brother being one of them when he was locked up and finding the Lord. But often my worries are, for me are a gateway into my prayer time. So I've learned to identify these are trigger moments where I've got some worries. Well, that better lead me into a time of prayer because I can't carry this thing. And many men are in here, you're carrying burdens that are just too deep for you, too strong, and you feel like you're getting strangled or choked out by the situations of life. And God's got a recipe for success for you. The Bible says, though, you haven't, no, I've got joy for you, but I've got to show you how to get it in you. I got, to, I got to spend some time with Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer. This is, worry steals emotional energy from right now, and it puts compound interest on something that may never have come to fruition. And what happens is we sit here and fret and worry and become anxious and ruin our current over things that may never happen, and it becomes in vain. We do all these things in vain, and then you worry 
and it doesn't happen, now you've doubled, or it does happen, and now you've doubled your worry and stress. Now you're worried now and stressed out, and you're worried later and stressed out. And do you know that stress is the number one killer? It has five attributes that it turns into, but it all starts with stress. Stop. That's why Jesus came along and said, Matthew 6, 27, says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit of stature? Or another one says, another version says, one hour to your life. None of us. Later he says, Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We have these I, I know I do, you probably do, have these impeding thoughts that pop up, and it'll happen today after church, and I'll be thinking about something I'm worried about or anxious or something that Satan's trying to distract me from, I'm trying to take a nap or watch a movie with my family, and, and all of a sudden this, this thought comes running through my mind, and there I go chasing it down as if I can fix that thing right now, and all I can do is find myself distracted from what's most important, and that's my family. And what I really need to have my mind on is the second bag of pop- popcorn. And he'd go downstairs and get another bag of popcorn, come back up and open that thing with my kids. Like I say, the Lord has blessed me with many trials. I've watched my family have ups and downs, ins and outs. I've had them of my own. And the main theme in all of this that I've found is this, that what we worry about the most reveals where we trust God the least. If you got that up there. What we worry about the most is where we trust God the least. I just want you to think about that. Because I want you, those, those thoughts that you have ruminating through your heart are popping up right now. And the challenge is, how am I trusting God in this? And the reality is, if I'm wrestling with it, then I'm not. We're spending, spending energy we need now over the things that usually never take place. And why not grab some wisdom and then choose joy now and wait for God to work the things out that are to come. That, like I said, it's not a, there's no wow factor in it. It's just bringing back to earth, bringing back to light the very things that you already know in your heart just struggle with doing. Here's the part of the issue, too. Prayer relinquishes control. Oh, whoa. I got I to give up some control on this. It, some of you struggle here because you want to be co-controllers with God. I got out... Here's, how, here's, here's my prayer need. Here's what I need you to fix. In fact, I know you've been busy, so I'll, if, you, if you'll just do it this way, this way, and this way, everything will work out and we'll be good to go. Or if you just go ahead and fix this problem right now, and I, you know, I promise you I'll never, I'll never be in my, this situation again. He doesn't work that way. I, so what happens is uh, there's this other thing where people, I used to have this thought, and I've, I've ministered with people in their 60s, 70s, well, God, you know, he's, he's, he's probably busy dealing with other people's stuff right now, and he just doesn't have time for mine, but he'll get around to me in time. Like, God is that small of an individual to where he has to roam around the earth just helping one person at a time, and he can't tend to your needs? The, might, the issue might be he's try, you're trying to co-control, and he's trying to do a work in your heart so that he can actually solve the real problem. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, that by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, and that's not a turkey dinner, <laughs> with thanksgiving, it means I'm going to thank you in advance for the things that I'm, I'm praying about and I'm petitioning you over. I'm going to thank you in advance because I'm trusting you're going to do it. Even though I don't see it in the natural, I'm believing in the spiritual, my prayers are getting answered. So I'm lining myself up with God by trusting you. 
to present. He says to present, present. This word literally means to lay it at your feet, give it to you, give you ownership, walk away, and never pick it up again. He says to present your requests to God. Not take it up again once you've already, some of us are rumbling, rambling through our prayers and just over and over and over trying to convince God of what he needs to do. And the reality, my generation will get this, it's, the situation is he's like Debo on Friday saying, I don't play. That's not how I get down. He doesn't want to get down by, by being a little cosmic, a cosmic, uh, whatever, a cosmic wish maker to where all of you, if you'll just do what I say, what he wants to do is do a work in your heart so he can begin to do this work with you because that's when the soul begins to change and that's whenever you start to realize that God's authority is working on your behalf and that's when you start to see the picture differently and there's a greater understanding of what he's doing in your life and you start to see this big picture of life that's going on all around you and it's no longer just about me. Oh, this thing actually affects many people and God's concerned about many people in this situation and he's trying to get me off of my mind so he can get others on my mind. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And this is how you know you've presented it, because all of a sudden you've got peace. If I'm going out of prayer and I'm still anxious, I have not presented anything. I've just gone into prayer with a bunch of griping and complaining. And it wasn't even prayer. It was just meditations of my heart. We'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ and this is how your mind begins to move into the mind of Christ. This is a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom principle that you need to know because when I take things, my prayers, my worries, my anxieties, my thoughts, my doubts, my fears, my, my, my struggles, the stuff that's keeping me up at night, and finally I go and I submit it to the Lord and I present it to him and I thank you in advance and I walk away from this thing, I'm literally putting on the mind of Christ because if he's purposed me in it, then he will do it. And I need not be anxious because I can't make Christ-like thoughts and decisions when my mind is anxious and worried about this thing. It's distracting the filter that God has given me to make clear, godly kingdom decisions. That's why we hear God so, so clearly after a whole ministry. Our soul starts to get cleaned up. Our minds start to get cleaned up. And all of a sudden, I get this download, these downloads or extended time with God. I'm no longer, longer concerned about my stuff. It's now about His stuff. And it can't be God's problem and my problem at the same time. It just can't. It's either mine or His. And He will, he will, he will stand back on our behalf for as long as we're willing to control it. Have at it, son. Have at it, daughter. I'm here to help anytime you would like, but you're going to have to hand it over to me. 1 Peter 5, 7 says to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Literally means to toss, to chuck it. Just throw it on me. Philippians translation says this. You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him for you are his personal concerns. But to be able to throw these anxieties on him, you got to you got to be able to trust Him. And we got to be able to show trust to God. Romans 5, 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with, come on, say it with me, all joy, all joy and peace. How? As you trust in Him. I'm giving you some keys right here. As you trust in Him. Not saying that it's easy, but you got to relinquish control. I'm going to let it go. 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just don't feel like the Holy Spirit's working in my life right now. You haven't shown trust. You haven't released it to God. You haven't given it over. You haven't, Isaiah 26, 3 says this, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Man, I'm, I'm throwing stuff all around your peace. I'm trying to give you peace. I'm giving you all kind of indicators why you don't have peace. You, you can point it out all over the place. I can, you can go home and say, well, here's why I don't have peace. Here, three, number three, prayer regulates our thinking. Man, I go into, I go into prayer with some cross thoughts. I'm just, that's why I got to go to prayer. I, it's got to be a trigger moment for me. I, I'll start thinking some jacked up things. I need to take this to prayer. This is not, this, that's not God. That, that is not God. And, and can I be direct a little bit? Because we have too much stuff coming through our minds, our, our, our eyes, and our ears, and it's all messed up. Whether it's on Facebook, or it's movies, or it's TV shows, that Netflix, that Netflix show you want to watch, and you think, no, I can filter it out. The problem is the filter's on the inside. And it starts to be a lens through which you see life and make decisions on, and you don't even know it. And you're not cleaning it up. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Peace all over it, joy. Do my thoughts reflect heaven? Because in Colossians he says this, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And I kind of wanted to create a challenge for you to pull away from social media for a week, pull away from TV for a week, spend that time that you would put there in the Word and in prayer. I promise you three things. You'll be happier, you'll be healthier, and your marriage will be better. Or I could say your relationships, whatever it is. You'll be happier, you will be healthier, and your relationships will be better. I promise you. One week. No social media, no movies, no TV. Just spend time in the Word and prayer. You got to aim at heaven. This is what C.S. Lewis says. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. You aim at earth, you'll get, you'll get neither. You got to choose to get up early and spend time with the Lord. You got to choose joy whenever those times, that 5 a.m. rolls around. No, I don't like getting up early either. I choose to get up early. Nobody likes getting up early. So prayer replaces worry, prayer relinquishes control, prayer regulates thinking. Prayer reveals contentment. I go into prayer, Lord, I need, I need. Lord, here's the issue. You know it. Lord, you got to take care of this. Lord, I need, I need, I need. I come out of prayer. God, you're all I need. You're all I need. That's when I know I went into prayer because I took it all. I presented it. I left it with him, and I realized, you know what? You're all I need. If I believe I'm on the journey that God has set for me, then I believe he's going to work out that journey before me. If I don't believe God's going to work out a journey before me, I might need to check out the journey that I'm on. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, through all the ups and downs, through all my ups and downs, and moving from place to place, to place, and I would constantly think, well, it's the geography of the place that is the problem. But always the problems would catch up like they were on a yo-yo. 
what I realized when the place, the place, the place thought went away, my home is in the Lord. And when I begin to resettle the things that I thought as home as to being in the presence of the Lord, it didn't matter where I went, whether I was in Honduras in a, on, living on missions or I was in Austin, Texas feeling alone in the middle of a million people or I was back in East Texas where I never wanted to be because I thought this was the land of the dead. <laughs> hey, that's just my thoughts. I just, I just, that's just what I believe. <laughs> I was dead when I lived here. I, I promise you, it, I came spiritually alive when I left. But here I am. And it was through all of that that I realized my, my home, my home is in the presence of the Lord. Our heart cry, our heart, sorry, Psalms 23, 1 says this, and I would like to put because, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have no need. I'm good. I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I'm good. I'm covered. Our heart cry I will not, is this, I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. And there's a test along the way until we get to this place. God truly does. He's not concerned about us having riches. He actually wants to pour out favor and blessings upon us. But until we get this thing on right side up to where it's, I'm trusting the one who is the provider of all things, then, then we're prepared and ready to start receiving all that he has for us. And that was when we got, get the revelation of, oh, it's not about everything else but the people, the souls. Everything that God you're blessing me with is all about the souls. It's all about bringing, bringing people into the kingdom until it is more about, is about the one who provides richly rather than the riches themselves. Boy, we're under, we're under trial. The word of God tested Joseph until the word of God came to pass. And it just took some time. Do y'all believe that? Is that, I mean, is that scripture? Uh, number five, prayer relies on God. It relies on on God. So every place I have a genuine need, I want to be able to say this, Philippians 4.13, I can. I can start this new job. I can start this new business. I can lead this church well. I can have a great marriage. I can, I can, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And here's the main point of this chapter. Through prayer and obedience, 419 says this, and my God will, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I've, I've, many, thank you, hallelujah to that, because let me tell you the spiritual truth on this thing right here. I've been in Honduras several times doing healing services teaching our team the word of knowledge and the prophetic and watching them operate for the first time, many of them, Baptists, realizing that God still speaks. Hallelujah. He still speaks. And in this, we'll break people up into teams with a translator and one other American or one traveling with us. And one night, for whatever reason, there was a theme for the people that God was bringing me. And it was a line of ladies. There's about four or five. The first one, how can I pray for you? What are your needs? Well, I'm concerned because my... My, my, wife, my daughter's husband moved to America so that he could provide for his family, and she's alone in San Pedro Sula, and so I just listened to the cry of her heart. And then I gave her Philippians 4.19. I said, well, do you believe that God can, can supply all of your daughter's needs according to his riches and glory, his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? 
Yes, I do believe that. Would you pray that with me? Yes, I will pray that. They come with shoulder issues. They come with baggage that they're carrying, spiritual baggage. There's no natural baggage there. But every one of the ladies who came to pray had shoulder and back issues, and they were all carrying the spiritual weight of not being able to trust God. Knowledge they could, but relationally and spiritually they weren't doing it because they were carrying the worry and the anxiety for one of their children in their family The first two, I walked them through this verse right here, repeating it, believing it, praying over, laying hands and praying over them, watching God heal them. The next three, all I had to do was guess. So let me guess. You're up here because you have a shoulder issue, because you're concerned about some family members. Yes, that's exactly. It was a theme, and God does these things. And so I said, all you got to do, I said, say this. Do you believe this? And I've walked her through believing it. I said, now try your shoulder and your back. Don't even have to pray for it at that moment. Let me get, let me get, get you, know, you, got, you got to get this. Many of us are wanting somebody to go and pray for them when God's just trying to get you to believe his word with your soul. We talked about Gnosko last week. And 1 John says this, if you know me, if you Gnosko me, You'll keep my commands. You'll live by them. You'll live out of them. They'll thrive in your heart. Everything that you do and decision you make and everything that you see has the heartbeat of the commands and the ways of Jesus Christ just pumping through your veins because, again, His DNA is inside of you. And that in itself is going to promote the abundance that He's already ordained and destined you for. This is the heart dripping, this is the head dripping to the heart. And I'm going to sit on this for a second because you got to get it. If you believe, if you just start believing His Word, and if you really start to present your worries and your anxieties, and if you really show that you just trust them with those issues and that you don't have to carry them away, you don't need to co-control the issue, you don't need to tell him how he should fix your issue, but you really say, do the work in my heart until I can believe what it is that you are wanting to do in this situation because I think you have a better plan for my journey than I do because I mess it up. I just want to present my issues to you and I just want to listen to you, Father. And I'm going to do everything that your word says, not by act, but by obedience and faith. Huge difference. One has the law connected to it, and one has relationship connected to it. We got to get out of the law of religion, and we got to get into relationship a little bit. There's a healing in relationship. There's freedom in relationship. There's power in relationship. And we're wondering why we don't experience the power of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit that He's given us. is because we're living on the law and we haven't quite got to relationship. And we're holding God to the law while He's not even holding us to the law. And He's trying to say, I want relationship and you want law. And yet you hate the law when I try to hold you to it and I ain't going to do it anymore. That's why I've given you grace. Proverbs Proverbs 16, 20, and I want you to meditate on this this week. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Indicator on this is mathematical, mathematical equation says if I'm not joyful, I'm not. Hey, hallelujah. I've got the antidote to my issue. I need to trust. 
It also says if I don't have peace, I need to trust. And I can't trust him and keep taking it. I want to pray for you. I just want to leave you with this. Because prayer doesn't move God towards us. Prayer actually moves us towards God. And I had to grow up in maturity to realize that. Because I would complain, God, why aren't you showing up? God, come on, come on, Lord, come on. Come, Jesus, come, Lord, come, Holy Spirit. I'm here. But I realize that he's here. I just got to be more aware of his presence than I am of my problems. I got to be more aware of him than I am of me. And boy, I'm selfish. I realize in that moment I'm selfish because I'm thinking about me, what he can do for me. He wants to know what he can do through me. But I got to put his mind on my mind and do his works. Stop doing my works. Got to trust in him, receive peace, live out joy. It's beautiful. So I want, to, I want to pray this over you because many are here and you need joy over your family. You need joy over your job. You need joy over your finances. You need joy over your kids. You need joy over your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. You just need joy. And I want to I want to break this spirit of heaviness that's been trying to attack the church. In fact, it's, it's, it's done a good job. So Father, right now, we just, we trust you. We present all of our problems, all of our thoughts, our worries, our anxieties before you. And we just leave them there for you. And I just pray right now that you just have the grace and the strength to just pull back and begin to see life as if he's already handled that issue. He's already handled that struggle. And you're able to pull from the future joy rather than worry. And you're able to pull from the future peace rather than anxiety. And you're able to use this as trust that he's already seeing this thing through because he loves you and he's, he's fighting on your behalf. In fact, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf. And who else would be better than to have Jesus there? Through good times, through bad times, He wants to do a work in you. So where the worries and the stresses and the anxieties were, I just want you to pick up joy and pick up His journey and just be willing to receive all that he has for you. So, Father, I pray for an extra level of boldness. I pray for healing for those who, are, who are, have heard a word today, and, and it's the word that they needed for their soul. And I pray that they don't walk out of this place forgetting it. They don't walk out of this place twisting the trust around. They don't walk out of this place trying to tell you how to do your job. They don't walk out of this place just saying, well, if you just get me out of this jam, I'll never do this again. But they truly submit their ways to you, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for those who have yet to come to know you, truly know you as Lord and Savior, and they actually commit their life to gnosko, to knowing you, to being in relationship with you. 
So we just bind the spirit of heaviness right now in Jesus' name, and we release the spirit of praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen with me. Let's just stand up and worship God. because.